Hey everybody, this is Al Nash from the Unapologetic Women Empowerment Dynasty and you're listening to the Unapologetic Women Podcast, the show for women who love to live their legacies unleashed, unlimited and unapologetic. If this is a space you are curious about, visit unapologetic-women.com. Today, we're talking about coming back to self through initiation with Matsalisi Motsi Loa. Matsalisi, also known as MC or Mots, is a social anthropologist from the University of Cape Town. She is also a consciousness and Reiki practitioner, as well as an African intuitive healer and businesswoman. Thanks so much for joining us. This is going to be a riveting conversation with MC. So, Emily, my friend, we we've walked we've walked a ways. We've known each other probably for ten years, and if not more. And I want to say to our listeners as well that it's four o'clock in the morning. Um, where you're phoning in from, and I'm so appreciative of you getting up at clown's hour just to have this conversation with us. Um, and it's one of the many things that I've always admired about you is your true commitment to showing up in your fullness, in wherever you are, in whatever's going on in your life. Um, And so I want to say thank you so much for being on this call today. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you, Ellen. (laughs) Ellen, thank you. You, You have undergone such a transformation in the last 10 years from the very young woman that I had that very first meeting with um, Mm. in Suave and now being not only the the entrepreneur and the the owner of Suave but also a healer, uh, nurturer and in that, really becoming a fuller woman in what I've experienced of you. So I always love starting our conversations with the question of what does it mean to you to be an unapologetic woman? Yeah. I think it's exactly that, showing up in my fullness, in my authentic self, and unashamedly so, showing up from a place of love, from a place of acceptance, from a place of humility, and from a place of surrender. That's an unapologetic woman for me. I love that. The word that stands out for me, and I want to take this conversation further because it's a word that we hear so often. And I sometimes think that there's so many different interpretations to the word surrender, especially as a woman. What does surrender mean to you? Like, What did it take for you to surrender? So the word that comes to mind when when I hear the word surrender is flow. And when I hear the word flow, um, an image, so my mind always works, <laughs> works in images. 
So I see an image of a river going down, going down the river. It meets a boulder. It's not gonna push that boulder. Yeah, it will perhaps stand there for a while, but it's not just standing because as it is standing and accumulating around the boulder, it's going to tug at the small stones that are holding the boulder. It's gonna tug at the, 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 the sand, the soil, the whatever is holding the boulder, it's just going to tug, slowly tug at that until it just shifts and moves away and then it continues to flow. And so for me, that says anything that is meant to happen, regardless of how resistant I may be, how I may fight to prevent or try to bring about a different course of events to happen, whatever is meant to happen will happen, regardless of what I do. So there's a line that uh, I love that Wayne Dyer says, where he says we are being done, meaning we might think that we are the ones that are in control of our lives and our destiny, but our lives and destiny were written a long time ago. We are just stepping into those experiences that have already been written for us. And, and so you just have to be in the flow. So if I fall in a ditch, that was, that was meant to happen. Nothing is an accident. So what am I learning from being in that ditch? What is that ditch saying to, to me about me in my growth as a growing MC? Not a better MC, because better then suggests that, oh, maybe there was something wrong that I was doing. So what is the growth? What is the lesson in being in that ditch? And that is surrender to me. So much comes to mind for me. And there's two things that I want to touch on here. The one is the surrender in terms of letting go of the struggle. And the reason this really hits me home for me is I was having a conversation this morning with the ladies in the Unapologetic Initiative. And we were talking about the psychological spells that we cast upon ourselves and as a collective and one of those being we have to have pain for gain and that we have to be in a constant state of discomfort for growth um, another one is that we have to work hard and show our worth in order for us to be worthy of success successful and it's as though we are committed to making life as hard as possible so that we can justify any good that comes into our lives. And I've had to learn mm -hmm. to surrender the spell of hardship to prove my worth so that I can be in the flow and live with ease. And I find that this is a lesson or an awareness that's coming to more and more women. Is, has that been your experience, especially in the last few years on your journey to becoming a healer and, and a teacher? Or what has your experience been? Yeah, I think especially in my journey to become a healer, um, that's that's been my experience. So when you were 
um, sharing this story with your previous interview, what came to mind was, um, I think it's the Buddha. Well, I learned this in my philosophy class when I was a first year student. And the words that came, that was shared in the lecture was life is suffering. And I thought it was such a, such was such an unpleasant way of looking at life. I felt it was, it made me sad. But I realized that it's the yin and yang. There's going to be good. There's going to be bad. There's going to be ease. There's going to be struggle. That's what makes life move. That's what makes life life. Because if I don't know the cold, then how do I appreciate the warmth? If I don't know the warmth, how do I appreciate the cold? So for me, when I was then told in 2009 that I am a healer, I mean, it just conjured up so many negative perceptions that I had as a healer, uh, that I had of of healers. Um, I thought healers were uneducated, they were ugly, they were dirty. Um, healers only practiced evil. You go to a healer when you want to kill somebody, when you want your uh, somebody's husband or somebody's wife. And I was nothing like that. I was educated. I, I remember I used to say to my friend, I'm from UCT, <laughs> as if that defined <laughs> who I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, the best schools, you know, <laughs> so, uh, and it took me, it took me 14 years to get to, to a place of really just acceptance to say, you know what, this is who I am, because, I mean, at that time, Suave was just, so my suit business to the company Suave, Suave was just flying off the shelves, that's when you and I met I was getting my orders, I was getting clients, I was getting money and lots of money just coming in and flowing. And I thought, ah, healing. <laughs> what healing, you know? Why would I want to see myself in those horrible beads? Those, and I mean, when you'd see healers, they'd just be looking so grotesque in my eyes. They looked grotesque. They just looked, and I thought, you know, I'm nothing like that. Why would I want to have pieces of pieces of animal hanging off me. I mean, what is that? You know? <laughs> so to then appease my mind because I thought, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do because there's just so much dis-ease in my life. I just want to be in the flow. I then went to do Reiki. Then from doing Reiki, I did crystal healing and alchemy. And things seemed to be okay until... Uh, 2020 when we went into lockdown and then now <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed profanity so <laughs> and then things just we're all adults <laughs> here darling <laughs> you know then I the shit hit the fan things really just changed um uh, drastically so so within one hour of the president announcing lockdown I lost over hundred K because all my clients canceled their orders. I mean, nobody's going to be wearing suits when they don't know where they're going. I mean, nobody knew what was going to happen. So everything was uncertain. And so people are just wanting to hold on to their money. <clears throat> so those suits were canceled, but miraculously I had 
um, in secret <laughs> in seeing some of my clients for Reiki. So I'd have clients that say, oh, you know, I'm struggling to sleep or I've got an old injury that just doesn't seem to heal. Or I'd pick up whatever because this sense that I had, then I'll just talk, even though really I was very, very ashamed of ashamed of it. And so that's how I would then get um, clients who would then come for Reiki. And when we went into lockdown, then those few, and when I say few, it was two clients that I was seeing. Where um, I remember one of them saying, so what's going to happen to our weekly appointments? Because now I can't come to you. And I said, no, we can do distance healing. Oh, what is that? So I explained what distance healing was. So I began doing distance healing. From doing distance healing, he started referring his whole family. From doing his whole family, then their friends. And that's how love wholeness was then born. And from there, really just getting insights too. So I used to charge um, 500, 550 Rand for a session of Reiki, three hours, uh, where I would then do the connection. And then from then on, would have a, a, a conversation around what came up in the, in the healing session. To then having my mom, my mom passed on in 2011 who then came vividly in a dream and said, you do more than Reiki, so you should charge 1.5. And so I began charging 1.5, which was quite challenging for me because I thought, sure, these people are going to run away because from 500 rand to now 1.5, how do I then justify that giant leap? But I said it anyway, and people just continued coming. And then I remember one day when... After a whole, so from 2020 to November 2021, really everything was just in flow. Okay, we had to relocate from um, from Johannesburg to Pretoria because then we could no longer afford being that sad. We lost our cars, our homes, and just quickly had to put things in storage to relocate to this small flat to literally start all over. And I mean, there was this constant people booking for um, healing sessions until November 2021, when things were just at a standstill. And I thought, sure, how am I going to manage now? This is not life. I remember being quite suicidal, saying, I'm just going to end it all because I don't, I don't understand how is one supposed to live when there isn't any money. And I remember sharing with my husband to say, I will first kill our daughter, and then from then on, then it will be me. Then he said, but what if you then die, and she then wasn't dead? And I thought, sure. You know, when my mom passed, I was 33 years old, and I, I mean, even to this day, it was the most difficult experience I've gone through. And I thought, I don't want that for my daughter. And so I had a good sense to then come back from those thoughts and call my sister-in-law um, in, in Lesotho. And I told her what was happening. And she said, you know, maybe further down the line, there may be Japanese ancestry and Indian ancestry in your lineage, but the people that give you your gift 
uh, and you have to go through the proper rites of passage of embracing and acknowledging a gift. So make sure in December you come here. Um, went to Lesotho in December. That was a, also a very difficult trip to make. Went to, um, to Lesotho and then in March, it's actually going to be a year now. In March, had to then go in, um, I'll call it, for lack of a better word, I'll call it a process of initiation. So just really a process to say I'm embracing this, this uh, journey acknowledging to my ancestors to say yes this is yeah, I mean I'm I'm taking on this task to be a healer went there for a month that was a that was one of the most challenging things I've ever had to do in my life I was plumped deep in the mountains of Lesotho where there was yeah everything was just done in the in the wilderness and the beauty of Mother Earth we had to walk long distances to collect water. There's no running water. Yeah, it was it was um was quite tough. And then so did that first part of the journey. And as I'm um going on, then there's more dreams, and I'm sharing with my sister-in-law to say, Oh, I've had this dream. Oh, I have this. No, there's still another part of your. It's, and this is what can you see, Ellen? Okay, so so we've lost you. So I'm going to pause the conversation. We have to go quite a way back because you completely froze. Oh. I couldn't hear you at all. Oh so I'm, going to I... I'm just going to cut this piece out of the recording. So it's all good. It's all good. So I heard up until um, you were going through the initiation, and then you spoke to your sister after you had the dreams, and she said you had to go back. Yes, so in December last year, had to go, go back to now do to now do the second part, which is now embracing myself as a, a healer. So the first part was embracing as a well, yeah. So in in Sosotu is a prophet. So it's a prophet. I think is being a prophet. Yes, I think I think I think that's a proper word. And now it's going to be engaka. Engaka is a healer or people would then say they're a doctor. And that process requires me to wear those beads that I absolutely <laughs> detested. And I had to love these beads. I remember when I first got back to Joburg, which was now in January last month, I would then just, you know, hide because then, and for me that said to me, you still haven't fully embraced who you are. You need to go back and do that work. And I thought, wow. I thought I had really gone through this where I'm really just very comfortable. I've worked through all these issues. I didn't imagine that I would still have, I mean, remnants still lingering of not embracing myself. And I had to go back to do a bit of cleaning um, to then get back to that space where I can now even show you because I'll be wearing <laughs> very long um, clothes. And now I just walk, oh, this is gonna be on video, you said. So it's the long clothes, it's also on my legs as well, which I always would look at like, 
gawking eyes out and go, oh gosh, look at that. And so at the back of my mind, which is why I had to do that cleaning, I imagine that's what people were also saying about me. But really now, I just don't care. I've embraced myself. I love my beads um, until I take them off because there's going to be a time when I do take them off. So apparently they're doing whatever kind of work. I mean, the spiritual space is a very fascinating space for me. So many things that don't make sense, but they happen. So I've also just said, you know, your educated mindset that really wants to understand how one plus one is two is really not going to work here because one minus one is two in this world. And it's evident by what I see happening in front of my eyes. So powerful, MC. So many things, again, in the sharing of that. One of it being the power of initiation. And I remember that when I started working in shadow consciousness and the archetypal space, understanding how much we are losing because we've lost initiation in life. And initiation really is the leaving behind of an old identity to grow into our next identity. That is so powerful. And I feel like a lot of people are being robbed of that. And the other part is it's an ongoing journey. So many times my clients will call me years after we've worked together and go, oh my God, I only now get it. I only, the penny just dropped of the yeah. work we did together two years ago, three years ago. And I go, yes, of course, because at the end of the day, we can learn through whatever, through conversation, through initiation, but then we have to allow a period where life gives us the experience to show us what hasn't been dealt with, to show us where there's still discomfort, to show us what are the old stories. We, it's not a spit and polish and everything is done. And I feel yeah. So much of today's world is so obsessed with goals and outcomes that people are missing the point that even the goals were all about the journey. It was about who you become in the process of achieving or not achieving your goal. And there's no shame in not achieving it. It's it's just a tool for personal growth and focus. Um, yeah. And so when I listen to you, that is what I'm hearing is you've released the idea that you had to go through something and then just be someone else. And now it's an allowance of, oh, okay, I'm still not happy wearing my beads. What is it that I need to cleanse? What is it that I need to let go of? Who do I need to fully embody for me to wear my beads with pride? And the, the final piece that I want to really bring to light and, and to our listeners' awareness, and this is critical, is that life is not about being right and being in our heads and being so analytical. The magic happens when we allow for the nonsensical and ourselves to be the fool. Because, and when I say the fool, I'm talking about the sacred fool. If people are going to laugh at your beads, you have to be okay with people laughing at your beads. A really powerful woman 
releases the behavior that's driven by the perception of others. And that took me a really long time to get, especially as a high achiever. I was all about how am I being perceived instead of who do I choose to be in this moment? And some people yeah. love and respect me and some people will think I'm a complete idiot and I'm okay with both now. Yeah. Yeah. I loved what you said about releasing the outcome. And I wrote um, outcomes that make sense because it's only what makes sense that people seem to embrace. If it is in their eyes nonsensical, then it doesn't exist. And so I, for a while, wanted to prove, especially within my family, who thankfully are very embracing of who I am, but wanted to prove I had this dream. And in this dream, one, two, three happened. In this dream, an example, I was told, take that stick and knock that rock and you are going to get business that's going to help you in the next five months. And it's like, oh, crazy. But I've just learned to say, you know, nothing makes sense and everything makes sense. and I will do whatever it is that comes through, whether it makes sense to me or not, or whether somebody's going to think I'm crazy or not. I know there is magic in that craziness, in that nonsensicalness of, of the act. And so then I just do. Full circle back to surrender. And then I'm kind of thinking, yeah. well, is the surrender then not us surrendering to the intuitive guidance that we are receiving so that if there is a rock, instead of trying to push the rock or think we have to push the rock, find a crevice or flow over it or dam up. Allow yourself stillness to dam up until there's enough water to go over it. There's just, and everybody will look at you and go, why are you just flowing? Why are you just damming? Why are you not pushing the rock away? And the surrender yeah. is because that's what I'm being guided to do. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so it is for me to surrender to myself, surrender to that intuitive process but also surrender to my sense of knowing. So now in December, in January, when I had now gone through this cultural process of embracing myself as a healer, I felt like I had, I had just come back to myself because for a very long time, it felt like I was just flowing, at least from 2020, I was just floating into nothingness. And not having that sense of anchor that I knew I had, because I kept saying, you know, after my mom transitioned, there's something that just left me. I always um, had a sense of knowing. So I know in Suave, my target was always, I knew that I had to have at least 20,000 Rand to be able to make it through the month to do whatever it is that I needed to do. And I knew if I hadn't done any, like if I hadn't seen any clients or I'd seen one or two, I would have at least 40,000 in my account. 
And so, and this is when my mom would be around because then I'd find that there's no, um, there are no orders. It's almost month end. And I'll just always call my mother. And all I knew is I would walk away from that conversation having laughed so hard that I just knew what to, there was just a sense of knowing that would just fill me up. And I would just start getting calls or, or something. And I knew beyond a shadow of doubt, regardless of how bad things were in that month where nobody's calling, no orders, whether it's going to be the last day of the month or the last two days of the month, I knew when it was month end, I would have at least 40,000 in my account. And so when she passed away, that sense of knowing just, just evaded me. And I just never knew what's happening month. I mean, it was a constant struggle. But over 10 years later, after going through that process, I had, a, I had that sense of knowing and I felt I have me back. So I can't explain to you how having gone through that cultural embracing of me being a healer brought all of me back, especially my sense of knowing, which for me is my greatest gift. Um, I don't know how that happened. So in January, when I came, I had now exhausted all my funds because there's a lot of um, investment you have to put into this process, whether you're buying the beads, very expensive, whether it's buying the animals you need for slaughter, very expensive, whether it's having to pay for the process, you have to then pay for the person who's your, who's guiding you. Um, so there's just a lot of money that's spent and also with the different garments you have to wear, the different, everything is just lots of money. Um, but I knew I didn't, I was not worried. I was not thinking, oh gosh, it's January now, what's going to happen? There's fees, there's this. Even though I left at zero, I knew I didn't have to worry. So for me, that was my greatest gift because seeing a 20 cents or zero in my account, sure, it just used to send me to spirals. I'm already thinking, who am I going to call to borrow money from? Who am I going to ask it? But now in general, I was very zen. <laughs> <laughs> I knew things would be fun. So that for me was my greatest gift. And I'm so, so grateful um, to just have all of me back. I still say it, it's my, my deepest belief that this is the time of return to self. That now more than ever before, we, especially as women, are being called to come back to ourselves, to stop doubting our intuition to stop suppressing our emotions, to stop looking at other people as experts and in the process disconnect from who we really are and, and what we know without a shadow of a doubt, without evidence. There's just that inner knowing of certain things. And the yeah. more of us who are being called to come back to ourselves, and this also came up in the conversation this morning, those are the women I'm surrounding myself with at the moment are the women who are doing the work to return to themselves and then supporting other people to do the same. And what, when I say supporting, it's not about teaching other people how we do it, because then again, we're removing them from themselves and discovering 
how they do it, how they reconnect to self, how they show up in the world. But it takes a wise woman and with wise, I mean, a woman who has had experience. I can so relate to the idea of ending your life. You know, I was there myself 20 years ago. Thank God for my kids. They were my reason for living because I didn't want them to ever feel like because of me, my mom committed suicide. I never wanted yeah. to grow up with that thought, idea, belief. But what a gift at this time, MC, for women like us to actually come together and to start saying, yep, it all comes back to one thing, loving mm -hmm. me, knowing me, and accepting me. Yeah. Um, and I, it, it might seem counterintuitive because, yes, I might be in this Zen space of flow, but I still live in a world where people might need proof. So if I'm going into an organization, for example, to say, um, like some work to support your staff so that they go through, because the process that I offer is called journey to wholeness. Because for me, I had to journey back to my wholeness to fully embrace myself, to then say, support your, your employees by having them go through this process. These are the different things that we do within this process. And the feedback that I get from the client, the few clients that I've worked with is, you know, listing the positive things. Or one of the things that I then did in, um, during lockdown was to, was to train as a consciousness coach. And so what was amazing about that process was being able to ask the client questions that help them to get their aha moments, which then helps them to say, okay, I now understand that this is the process that I need to take, or this is a step that I need to take without me then spoon feeding them the answers. And so still then having those, I mean, I don't know how it is over there. Maybe it's very, people are very open-minded where you are at. I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing that they're still going, they're still going to want that empirical proof and evidence of but how does this process then help help the clients to then get to the space that you are talking about there is still not a sense of fully embracing the flow so one of the beautiful quotations that I came across by the lady called um, I think it's called Monique she's the director of the London School of Business where she says in the past business in the past uh, business was about muscle now it's around brains but in the future it's going to be about the heart and i'm saying i'm already doing the heart business i mean i even in my profile say i'm the corporate heart guide because by being connected to your heart then you're connected to the true essence of who you are which then allows you to do your work so beautifully, which then allows you to be an amazing employee, friend, mother, father, everything. So if the company can then support you in that regard by paying love wholeness to help you go through that journey, imagine the growth that the company goes through. Imagine what you get so much out of your employees for the longevity of your business and ATC. 
there isn't still that kind of understanding. So I'm finding I'm having to juggle these two worlds. And sometimes I do go back to just saying, I wish you'd get it because I'm thinking I still need to eat. I still need to whatever. And then I'm thinking, oh, just let it go. It's, it's, if it's, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Just continue doing. So even for me, it's that constant where I'm pushing. And then I remember, oh, just be in the flow. And because I'm still in the world where the world requires certain things for me to thrive, for me to feel comfortable, for me to feel at ease um, because there, there's food, there's what, there's what. And and that's for me is, is interesting because I do believe that we are already in the future and I've come to the realization that mass consciousness is, is still very much in mind and results mm -hmm. and all of those things. And that's perfect. Mm -hmm. And in my lifetime, that is where mass consciousness will still be. But there are a handful of us who are pioneering in consciousness. We are already operating from heart. We are already creating the new business essence within the consciousness realm that operates from the heart. And some of us are being called to work with those who are still in the brain, but who's ready to transition. And some of us are being called to only work with others who are in the sphere of the heart. Me personally mm -hmm. had to make peace with, I am here to work with pioneers of consciousness. I'm here to support those people who already get it to walk beside them on the journey so mm -hmm. that they can work with the people who are ready to transition and not judging anybody all of it is good everybody is playing a role in consciousness evolution not judging anybody no one is better than the other but we all have our own journeys right but i had to yeah. make peace with releasing everybody in mass consciousness because yeah. the more i attempted to speak a language that they understood the more frustrated I become and the less the people that I am here to support and love and, and walk with could find me or hear me because I wasn't speaking a language that they were hungry for. Yeah. And it's, I'm really grateful that I don't have to work with the people who are ready to transition because I'm an impatient woman. It, let's just be honest. I've never been somebody to mollycoddle I've never been one of those soft coaches. You know me, MC. I'm like, um, I am who I am, right? I see your greatness. I'm not going to settle for less. You rise to the occasion. That's the space and the people that I play with absolute best. But I do. Yeah. And it's part of what we are doing in the Unapologetic Women's Initiative is how do we create the business grid in consciousness that others refer to as the future, but that we know to be the present. And that is where we get out of the head and into heart and bring divine love into business. What does that look like? Mm. So just being aware of the time, and this is a conversation that can go on for a whole day. I wanna ask you two wow. questions. Number one, what do you take an unapologetic stand for in this world? Um, for me, I feel it's still being it's still being me. 
So one of the things that I've now undertaken is wanting to start retreats. So I want it to be normal to say, well, I'm going to see a traditional healer uh, because I understand that a psychologist, a psychiatrist, the, you know, the Western doctors are not going to be able to help me with what I'm going through to understand that all of us are gifted in this world. You're going to have a doctor who's a neurosurgeon, who's a heart surgeon, who's a whatever. Then you're going to have a spiritual surgeon. And it is absolutely okay to go and see a spiritual surgeon. And this coming to somebody who, who would have never, I would have never then thought, oh, I'm not feeling okay. Let me go and see a traditional healer. But for these past two years, since 2021 to November 2021 to to March, the 1st of March, to March 2023, traditional healers are people that have given me my life, that have made me whole. And so I'm wanting to have that shift in consciousness, in appreciating that all of us are in this huge stewing bowl and we can all work together. And so I'm wanting to start retreats. It's actually on this, on the 4th of um, March and only one person has um, registered and paid. Others were, yeah, I might, I might not. So that is the person that I've meant to work with. I'm going to go to her home. There'll be uh, two traditional healers. So I'm, 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 I'm working with people that helped me. So the two traditional healers and then we're going to have a, a workshop on how do you return back to your light when things are just down? Um, we're going to have a bath. I didn't even know that having a bath could actually help to transform your energy field. And But it's specific because there's specific herbs that are then blended together to... I'm coming, Nalina. My daughter just woke up. <laughs> Um, so different herbs that are then put together to help bring you back to alignment. And then there's going to be my candles to then gift this um, this person who's coming to this, this process. And so for me, I feel my role, whether it's as a teacher or whether it is bringing a different perspective to then say, let us, up, let us all appreciate each other. You don't need evidence to know how having mixed soil, salt and sugar has then helped me to come back into alignment to then be able to I don't know be okay um it's it's just how it works so maybe the western paradigm might be able to explain to you how the heart works and when you have a heart attack this is what you do then you drink this pill which is going to help relax muscles whatever but there's another space that works just as effectively only difference is there isn't any explanation because this is ancestral knowledge this is spiritual knowledge this is um yeah this thing that we just don't know <laughs> what it is but just because you don't do know it just because it doesn't make sense just because you think it shouldn't exist doesn't mean that it's not true doesn't mean that it won't give the effects that it says it will give the effects even if I say you know what I saw so in one of my dreams I was shown water and I was told you're going to heal using water 
but you need to wear this garment, which was put on the water. You need to wear this garment, pray for that water, and that's how it's going to heal. That makes no logical sense to me. How would wearing garments help to, I mean, it's just crazy, but I'm going to do it. And I'm getting feedback from people saying, sure, that water that you get, oh, you know, so I can't logically explain that. It doesn't mean it doesn't, it's not happening. Doesn't make me better. Doesn't make me whatever. It just what is, I'm not even going to compare myself to, to anybody because I appreciate that we are all gifted. We all have knowledge. We all have knowing and, and it is what it is. Love that. How do people get hold of you? Via WhatsApp, via my, excuse me, why my um, Instagram page and via the website. So the website is Saffron Conscious, www.saffronconsciousoneword.co.za. Um, Instagram is love underscore wholeness. And then my, should I give my number? It's I will Plus put it onto the, I'll put it actually on the description. It's easier for people to just get it from there. Um, so all of the, the contact details will be in the description. NC, darling, this was amazing. This was um, such a rich conversation. I feel like there's so much that can still be unpacked even in this conversation, which was amazing. To our listeners, here's what I want to say. The greatest gift you can give yourself is to return to yourself yeah and you don't have to do it on your own i don't necessarily think that other people's way of returning to self will be your way of returning to self but it's through conversations such as these that we start shifting our perspective we just become curious we just become open-minded and we start thinking in a different way and when we start thinking in a different way, life changes. There's, there's just no doubt in my mind about that. So connect with MC. She is in South Africa. She got up at four o'clock this morning to have this conversation with me, <laughs> which I think is just sensational. Um, and whether you want to work with her as a healer or a teacher or a guide, or whether you just want to connect with her because she's an incredible woman, she's worth knowing and i happen to know that mc's heart has the capacity to meet every single woman who ever listens to this podcast and who has a desire to connect with her so thank you listeners for your time for whatever it is that you took out of this today let us know in the comments let's continue this conversation and we can't wait to join you again next week with another thought-provoking conversation and until then, we get to live our legacies, unleashed, unlimited, and unapologetic. Have an amazing day further. Cheers. Thank you. You too, Ellen. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, Al Naj, you can follow me on Instagram at The Unapologetic Woman and connect with me on LinkedIn at al Naj. And if you're interested in experiencing The Unapologetic Woman Initiative, 
book in for our next open meeting. The link is in the description. Thanks again and I'll see you next week.